on that note <laughs> ready set podcast uh yeah so uh as 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 you guys know i don't really know how to start the podcast yet but it's gonna be something along the lines of welcome to late to the movies i'm ben holt and this is a podcast where my friends and i get to fill in our movie blind spots every week we'll pick a movie that either i or a guest hasn't seen before but really should have by now this week the movie is die hard and the people who haven't seen it before is all three of my guests that's pat chrissy and robbie hey guys hey hi ben so how come you guys haven't seen this movie before? I don't know, actually. Because <laughs> it came out before I was born. <laughs> That's fair. I, not, not by a ton. But I've just I never it, gone out of my way to see by it. By a but ton, I've... by the time I was like of R-rated movie watching age, if yeah, you think about it that way. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for, like 20 for, years off. Right? For me, when people were like, you have to watch Die Hard, that would be like telling me like, oh, you have to watch Transformers. I'm like, I don't know why you're telling me I have to watch an action movie. They're all just an action movie. But uh, no. It was really good and worth the watch. Yeah, I think this is, uh, and, and obviously we'll get into this more, but I think this is one that I always know. I remember that I love this movie. And I mean, we're doing it on the pod for a reason, but not until I'm watching it do I remember just how fucking good this movie is. It's this movie so fucking, good. <laughs> it always slaps so hard. Um, but to get a little bit of context, Robbie's been on the podcast a bunch of times, but you guys are new to it, Pat and Chrissy. So what is your general kind of movie watching movie going habits is it something uh a, a hobby you do a lot a hobby you do like eh, every now and then if something's on i'm i'm not really a big movie person but pat i grew up in a movie household for sure um i went to the movies all the time with my dad as a kid and so i my dad and i would watch pretty much any big movie that came out we would go to the theaters and watch it um and as like a young adult, I started getting into like awards across the board, not just movie awards. Um, but then that got me into like the Oscars. So then I would always, and I'm obsessed with like ratings for things, um, for ratings for everything, uh, for buying things, for movies, for anything. So you then mean I, like quality ratings? Not yeah. Like so like the IMD top shit. 250 for movies, okay. I would yeah. go through that, I'd scan it, and I would just try and watch as many of them as I could to pick out. Um, really popular movies that I was interested in. So I would I would look at things through that. I would look at like best picture winners and watch movies um, through that. Back in the day where you had to go to like sketchy websites to watch movies because <laughs> yeah. there weren't, weren't as many streaming options Yeah, available. right, right. But I grew up with a big movie background. But when I started dating Chrissy, she doesn't really have the attention span for movies. <laughs> I'm more of a show person. So. But I do, I mean, I, I've definitely watched like a lot of the classic movies, but it was growing up with my parents too. It's pretty rare that I'll go out of my way to watch a movie, but Pat definitely talks me into it a lot. So yeah, I've, I've forced you to watch a lot of movies. Yeah, I'll um, get some classics that I hadn't seen. Um, such as you, Die Hard. I yeah, exactly. That. <laughs> that was one I definitely wouldn't have watched. Um, and I've gotten used to watch some classics too that you hadn't seen. But For me, it's I always like, I prefer drama movies i don't really like action mm. movies that much so mm. i think that that's probably why this was a, a blind spot for sure, me yeah. to use the podcast lingo um I, I find like when i watch like marvel movies and stuff like that i'm like oh this is kind of boring for me <laughs> uh boring predictable it's it's just not my speed uh and so i, I guess this movie was it was a nice surprise because i didn't really expect to enjoy it as much as i did yeah i think it it, it just comes from how how smart an action movie is mm -hmm. um not that I dislike Marvel or anything, but I just don't consider it really in the same sort of thing where this is actually trying to be clever and come up with stuff you haven't seen before in a movie and have set pieces that are kind of surprising and twisty type of things and people being steps ahead of each other. I, I like that. And, and like you were saying before we started recording, you almost consider it more like almost like a suspense thriller right. on top uh, of the action. Action kind of, heavy suspense yeah. thriller. It's but. definitely baked into the same cake, I think. 
for me too i'm uh this is what cemented it like i i mean i liked alan rickman and i was um a fan of him but i saw a lot of like people were like heartbroken when he died and i was like oh he was a good actor but for me this was like oh alan rickman is a fantastic actor and losing him was like losing something we won't see again for a very long time and i i get a lot more like why we don't why we were so upset about Alan Rickman's passing. So that was very cool yeah, he's too. So good he's this. so good. He's, he's so good. Amazing. He's an odd. Yeah. I feel like every action movie villain should have been based around this character yep. ever since this movie came out. He was so good. He was the perfect villain. Yeah. Um, as, as a, as a fairly natural cynical person at times, I appreciate that the villains in this movie are just fucking with everybody and they don't actually believe in anything. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. especially when I they know. start, they're like free all of these people. I'm like, that's amazing. And then oh. they're like, uh, wait, is it like Asian Dawn? And he goes, I read about him <laughs> in time. Magazine. <laughs> they're going through completely unrelated groups. I'm sure the FBI were like, what the fuck is, although yeah. most incompetent FBI I've ever seen. So they probably yeah. didn't question it. Yeah. The feds, the cops, everyone's incompetent. It's great because nothing matters and it's the 80s. You're at the end of, you know, time. And yeah, I I got a note in here that the characters have the opposite of suspension of disbelief. They're like extra like, no, nothing ever happens ever. And we never report to a single thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is 1988. Uh, Reagan's gone full senile. Um, H.W. Bush is about to take over. So, Uh, yeah, it's just that that a very specific time in American history where you can have a big action movie where nothing matters and everyone sucks and all this all the parts of society that are supposed to be the bulwark to protect you from this are actively making John McClane's job harder. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, in, uh, it's towards the end, but like when they're like, we can't shut down the electricity, like the mayor will have our ass. It's like, no, they'd be like terrorists. You need to shut down the entire <laughs> yeah. city. No one can even move an inch. And they'd be like, yes, that's exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um just to touch on it a little bit, so uh, you talked about like getting into the Oscars and stuff. How many times have you won the the Oscar party that Greg and we've talked about before on the podcast? Greg and Ray have the uh, well, Oscar there party. there was a before Ben era, and then <laughs> I was probably. I mean, you. I think you've won like the last two in a row, haven't you? How how many have you been to? I thought or two was, of the last three. Or it's, I it's thought two we were one for one. I thought me and you were one and one against each other. Maybe I, I think you've won twice. I've only won once. Is it two and one? Okay, yeah. so before you, I probably won four of five. Kyle beat me one year. That yeah. doesn't sound right. I promise you copied it. Yeah, he was talking about that. He said he just he didn't watch any of the movies and he just guessed and he Kyle beat me one year randomly. But you Um, I don't know. We've had Greg on the podcast before and he said no one besides us has won, so I I promise. Probably blanked it out. First year or something? I think he mentioned it like last time we were hanging out. I think you were there. Yeah, I'm trying, to, trying to do a big guy. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kyle got really mad that Greg said he had that, that no one else had won. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Gotcha. Kyle, was, Kyle oh. got like super mad about it. Yeah, Kyle never won then. Yeah, yeah exactly. Kyle never won. It, he, he it doesn't called, count if it was. Left. I don't know why Kyle makes that story up. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. Um, Kyle called Greg and told him he was going to like sue him for defamation and stuff. And then Greg's like, oh, I'll correct it next time on the podcast. And he did not when we did, when we did the recording last That's night. That's awesome. <laughs> and I would just like to double down and say that Kyle has never won. Thanks, yeah. Greg. That's exactly right. Um, and I just wanted to hit on that real quick. But yeah, let's get into the movie. Who wants to do any of the three you can, since it's new to all of you, who wants to do the brief plot summary of Die Hard from 1988? I can do it. Uh, okay. Because Christy and I prepared a little bit mm-hmm. before cool. we came. So <clears throat> I'll do brief because I feel like the, the background is a little bit in depth, but then once the action mm-hmm. starts going, it's like a, a pretty clear cut. Uh, but the plane, the movie starts out with John McClane, Bruce Willis on a plane 
Um, and the thing that happens on the plane that's really weird is he's sitting next to this dude on the plane and the guy's talking about, oh, are you afraid of flying? And then he starts talking about like this weird grounding technique where he curls his toes into a fist um, when he gets off the plane. And apparently that that feels like really therapeutic. And Bruce Willis is like, all right, whatever, dude, like that's super weird. Um, and then as Bruce Willis is getting off the plane, the passenger notices his gun and points it out. And then you, it turns out that Bruce Willis is a cop. Um, as soon as Bruce Willis gets off the plane, he is met by a limo driver um, who is sent by his wife's company to pick him up at the airport. Through exchanges with Bruce Willis and the limo driver, Argyle, who's one of the coolest characters in the movie, obviously. Ar- Argyle's just vibing. He, he's the man. He's the man. I would hang out with Argyle. Uh, so between exchanges with Bruce Willis and Argyle, as well as his wife and the family's nanny, you learn that they have a pretty strange relationship uh, where Bruce Willis is living in New York currently, separated from the wife. Um, he's coming to visit, so she's asking the housekeeper slash nanny to make up a guest room for him. So they're clearly not on good terms. They're not sleeping in the same bed. Um, and through conversations with Argyle, you find out that essentially Bruce Willis's wife took a nice corporate job. Um, he did not have a lot of faith in her as a woman in the workplace. And he was like, you know what? She's not going to have success there. She's going to come crawling back to me in New York eventually. Turns out he was wrong. She had a ton of success in the company. Uh, was like second or third in command in their little office, which is like this really nice like penthouse um, office building on the 35th floor of a skyscraper in LA. Um, and so Bruce Willis was wrong and his wife was pissed about it. And so they do not have a good relationship, but he's coming to visit the family for Christmas. It is Christmas Eve at the time during the movie. And he is not sure how his meeting with his wife is going to go when they first meet up. So limo driver drops him off. He goes up to the office. You find out when he's walking into the building that everyone else in the building is gone for the holiday. It's just um, the wife's company is having their holiday party. And so all of the employees from that company are there. Other than that, the building's vacant. So Bruce Willis goes up. Um, John, I should refer to him as John, not Bruce Willis. John meets up with uh, the boss of the company. He's starting to give her a tour. He goes into the wife's office. He sees like the office douchebag Ellis doing cocaine on her desk. Um, <laughs> this is her cop boyfriend. <laughs> no way. <laughs> so he has a kind of awkward interaction with Ellis. It's pretty clear that um, to Bruce Willis and the viewer that Ellis is interested in his wife sexually. Um, Bruce Willis and his wife are chatting. He wants to go to the bathroom to wash up. So his wife takes him to the bathroom. Then in the bathroom, he's doing that weird thing with his toes. He takes off his shoes, which ends up being like a pretty big plot point that he has no shoes on for the rest of the building because of this decision mm-hmm. um, to try out what the passenger on the airplane was asking him to do. His wife and him get into a fight in the bathroom because his wife has started using her maiden name. Um, and Which he recognizes in the, when um, he gets to the building and um, there's a directory he's looking for and he's looking up his own last name and, you know, she has obviously is going by her um, her maiden name. So he brings that up. There's a big fight. Um, one of the secretaries for the company comes and gets the wife and says she has to give a speech to the rest of the employees. Um, so she leaves and then all of a sudden cut to Hans Gruber. You see him and his gang coming in the building, Hans Gruber being the leader of this German um the, the movie refers to them as terrorists, uh, terrorist slash robber group. Um, so they, they come into the building. They kill the security guard at the front door immediately. He sets up his own guy as a security guard. And then they're on their way up to the office. Bruce Willis is still in the bathroom being like, man, I can't believe I'm fighting with my wife. I'm already screwing this up. 
And then all of a sudden he hears gunshots in the foyer of the um, office building. So as a viewer too, I was like, oh my God, is this just like a mass murder <laughs> going on in the office building? That's what I thought my immediate thought was. Um, but it turns out that they were just like kind of rounding up the hostages into one little area. Um, so he can kind of see this through people. He makes his escape. Obviously, he doesn't want to be rounded up as a hostage. And uh, as a cop, he obviously has cop instincts. He wants to get other cops involved. Um, and so he makes it his goal to call the police. So he tries pulling a fire alarm. That doesn't work out. It's just like all the emergency services in LA are pretty incompetent <laughs> in this movie. Uh, he gets to the top of the building. He probably kills a couple of terrorists along the way. Um, one of them happens to be the brother of like the the main henchman of Hans Gruber, uh, this big, tall, blonde German guy. And Bruce Willis does this thing where he <laughs> sends him down an elevator with a costume on. He writes in blood like, now I have a machine gun. Oh, uh, oh, oh. He has, oh, 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 yeah. He has a machine gun. Now he has a radio. Um, he goes to the roof to get a better uh, reception with the radio. He contacts the police. After a back and forth with the police dispatcher, who is also completely incompetent, uh, the police end up sending a single cruiser to the building. Um, and so Bruce Willis is just kind of looking out the window, buying some time. Oh, I missed the part, obviously. Um, so yeah, Hans synopsis. We're going to go like into things in detail. Yeah, yeah. Well, the part I missed was that they they take the boss and they murder the boss in front of Bruce Willis. And that's when he realizes the severity of the situation. Um so basically, from there on, the goal of Bruce Willis is to ensure the safety of the hostages. Meanwhile, he's like kind of battling wits with the incompetent L.A. Um, emergency services. And there is a lot of explosions. There's a lot of repelling from uh, from objects that are just kind of wedged in between surfaces. Uh, there's a lot of killing terrorists. uh glass breaking fire uh it and in the end it's i mean the the good guys conquer and bruce oh, yeah. willis ends up reconnecting with his wife and becomes best friends with this cop he was talking to on the radio throughout the movie uh and, and that's pretty much the, the yeah, key that's, that's pretty much die hard yeah uh so yeah this is a star making turn for bruce willis mostly known for tv going into this oh what was he on on tv was moonlighting it? was his big one moonlighting oh. and so he, I think, like comes directly from moonlighting to the set to to start filming this one day. And uh, I think the first scene he films, or at least on the first day, is um, him jumping off the building with the big fire explosion behind him. So they just like started him with that. He insisted on doing most of his own stunts. Is that where they came up with trial by fire? I mean, yeah, Jesus. I guess so. <laughs> and there actually was like a large explosion they set off behind him as he jumped off a five-story building onto like a big airbag. And right. they're like, all right, welcome to die. Let's go. <laughs> TV prepared you for this. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so it's a star-making turn for him. He gets paid $5 million, which is seen as uh, way too much for someone of his lack of star caliber at the time. But it turns, obviously, a pretty huge profit. Ends up, I think, number 10 of 1988. And uh, total gross and obviously still still a pretty big deal today. Mm. Not critically super well loved at the time, but that's that's changed over time. Oh, has it? Yeah. Wow. Really? It's interesting. Yeah, it changed, I guess, actually pretty quickly. So when it comes out, it's it's thought of as like, yeah, it's just stupid. And then really, I think it actually like is Academy Award nominated that year. So I guess the turn, the, the tide changed pretty quickly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I love at the beginning 
for the first, you know, until all the fighting breaks out, that everything, like literally any normal interaction that happens to John McClane, he kind of goes like, <laughs> California. Yes. Just like treating it like a foreign country where he just doesn't <laughs> understand normal human interactions and everyone's just such a weirdo. <laughs> Yeah, the, the scene in the airport where these two people are like kissing when they yep. when they greet each other. In the airport. He's like, I don't know about that. This Weird. free loving city. <laughs> well, that, it was funny too because at the beginning he's like, I can't leave New York. I got nine months of backlog criminals to put away. My note is like, oh yeah, no crime in L.A. Apparently, <laughs> like there was there was no work for you to pick up in L.A. Like I'm sure they could have used your help in the late '80s, buddy. Well, I think that's the sequel, right? He just becomes an L.A. Guy. So he can be I mean, closer to his family. I, I just watched this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 uh, yeah, that'll be the next episode. Um, <laughs> he decides to be a cop in the 80s after that, though. I think that would send me right back home and be like, all right, honey, come, yeah, come be an executive in New York. We don't we don't have this fucking Hans asshole blowing up buildings. You'd probably get like a, oh. like a pretty good private security job, I assume, <laughs> bad, after this. Bad timing. Stay in LA, actually. Right. That was 88. Oof. Yeah. Right, yeah. So he... Um, I mean, Bruce Willis is so good in this movie. It's just, they offered it to a ton of people before they eventually, I guess, settled for Willis, even though they did pay him really well. Nobody wanted $5 million? <laughs> Nobody wanted it. Um, they had to, well, they had to originally contractually offer it to Frank Sinatra, who was 70 at the time. Oh my God. It's, it's based on a book that's a sequel to a book that was adapted into a Frank Sinatra movie. So he... Legally, they had to offer it to Sinatra first, and all it says is like, "Yeah, he declined. He was 70. <laughs> Tell you what, I'll pay ten million dollars for that movie. <laughs> I know, right? But yeah, and you're gonna die hard. <laughs> so this movie ends up, and I guess we'll get big picture first, and then go more granular into the cool, cool set pieces and stuff. But this sort of is uh, a huge swerve for what action movies look and feel like, and for an action star at the time, you're thinking of. Stallone and Schwarzenegger mm. and um, the director, uh, which I'll cut out this part where I'm looking for his first name. His last name is McTiernan, but that just sounds weird if I just call him that like <laughs> it's McLovin or something. <laughs> McTiernan. John, so uh, director John McTiernan, the previous year, 1987, did Predator, oh. which is like a no way. maybe the archetypal 80s action movie Yes, who's starring it. it even the supporting characters are huge muscle bound dudes. So he had one success. He was like, going to milk these things for all they're worth, both yeah. Die Hard and Predator. He was like, time yeah. to make 10 of these. I know, right? Let's make the two most iconic action movies ever. Yeah. So his follow-up to, so this is his follow-up to Predator, and he puts, with Bruce Willis in it, it's such a subversion of the kind of, not necessarily dumb, but super not like defined by their smart thinking and intelligence, or at least the street smart kind of MacGyver yeah. ability that Willis has. And he's not a huge muscle-bound dude, and he's kind of balding, and, you know, it's, an it's Bruce Willis. He's he's more approachable, even though he is still, like, for Bruce Willis ripped in this movie. It's interesting, because <laughs> you're, you're right, but he does still have a little bit of that, like, I don't want to say muscle head, but, like, that cop attitude yes. of, like, I don't need anyone else's opinion about anything, I already know everything, but, like... At the same time, he does a good job using his head, so he he does use his head. I don't know. Well, he's a cowboy, right? He's he's like the archetype of like what a modern cowboy, I guess, would be. Where doing myself. He does like every boss and anyone's boss in this movie. If you're a boss, you're an asshole. Besides Takagi, <laughs> and he gets his head blown off in like his second scene. So yeah. 
Um, and I guess Holly technically is a boss at the end. So yeah, I was she's, thinking of that. She's a nice enough lady. <laughs> she was like, "Oh, I'm Mrs. McClain now." And I'm like, "I don't know if that was the moral here. Like, you can get back together, but I guess you're in charge of this company, so maybe you should stay in charge of the company." Yeah. <laughs> or at least she's the acting manager in this particular site of the uh, Nakatomi Corporation. So yeah, um, yeah. Let's uh, let's get big picture before we get miniature here. What do you guys think of the movie? I've been talking for a long time, so I'm going to stop for a while. Um, I thought it was a good movie. Like I said, I don't usually watch action movies, so I didn't really know what I was going to think, but I was watching it with Pat, and um, it was definitely entertaining. It kept um, my attention for the whole movie. Um, some things were a little predictable, but some of it wasn't, so I thought it was a good. I can see why people like it. Yeah. I really liked it. I thought it was fantastic. I liked that there was a decent amount of tr- twists. I liked that it wasn't super predictable. Um I don't know. It was an interesting premise of like stealing from a group of business people that have a vault, not like a bank in general. Uh, I don't know. It was just cool. Yeah. Well, you have that many. Um, I forgot the specific term he used, but they're bearer bonds. They're bearer bonds. And I have a note about that, too, because this comes up in movies a lot. And it's like if you as a business weren't doing shady shit that you needed untraceable forms of large amounts of money, you wouldn't always end up in these situations where a criminal can come in and fucking try to rob your vault because that's the only reason to have bearer bonds. So he does have a point where he's like, you're not a great company. They're clearly doing some things that are not great Mm -hmm. that we don't see, but whatever. What'd you think, Pat? I thought it was good. I mean, uh, as far as action, it was very entertaining. You cannot take away from the entertainment factor from this movie. Entertainment, 10 out of 10. Um, I thought that uh, it fell into like some of the movie tropes where like all the bosses were dumb, that all the bosses made bad calls throughout. Mm. Um, pretty much every single good guy had nothing bad happen to them, with one exception, with with the Takai Takai the <laughs> boss Takagi yeah. exception, and then all the bad guys ended up like failing in the end. The guy got back together with his wife. Um, <laughs> the one movie trope it didn't fall for, I, I'll say, um, when the original cop who comes to the scene what roy no what's his name al alan al 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 when al comes to the scene you when al's first introduced and you find out he has a pregnant wife at home Mm. he's a black cop i'm like this dude's dead oh yeah Yeah. (laughs) he didn't die though thank god that was that so i i failed to to see that coming and i like that they didn't just be like black guy with a pregnant wife dies like I, i like that they didn't fall into that trap but um, those are my complaints. But it was so incredibly entertaining. Um, so it's it's not a movie where you're like watching the clock and being like, how much time is left? It definitely, it's a quick two hours. For sure. Yeah. Did anybody else pick up? They made his nickname like the police made his nickname Abe Lincoln. It's like that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. Well, like, I figured. No. Like, uh, well, I figure his name's Al. Oh, like when oh, they yeah. give like an officer, like his his officer nickname is Abe Lincoln. Like, I don't know. I don't know if there's a point trying to be made there, but yeah, it's kind of. No, that. I don't either. Yeah. On uh, the dispatch a couple times, say like Abe Lincoln and whatever number it is. Like, uh, can you respond to a code whatever at Nagatomi Plaza? And I, I don't think I heard anyone else's nickname there. And I'm like, I wonder if they're trying to make like a subtle, like they're giving this guy shit for being like one of the only black cops on the force in the 80s. Maybe. I just figured because his, his name is Al A.L. Mm. Abe Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> it was just. I oh, yeah. But it could be. I mean, it could be that too. It's some, some, I don't know. You know just, I, I, pay, I was like, this is a weird thing. They chose they, the people who wrote the movie chose Abe Lincoln, or I mean, maybe that's part of the book. Um, the oh. book is uh, not super relate. I mean, I haven't read it, so grain of salt. But it's apparently pretty different. But it is technically based oh. on a book. 
I guess that makes sense though why the plot's so much better than your average action movie. Mm-hmm. It was an actual like written out plot. The, was the book called Die Hard? Or? The book was called uh, Nothing Lasts Forever by Roderick Thorpe from uh, 1979. Which I guess technically means Die Hard. Yeah. I think it's technically, um, not technically, I think it's pretty much considered to be sort of just like a pulpy not that smart kind of book mm. and it's pretty different the movie so I, a lot of what happens in the movie is not necessarily improvised but just shit they came up on the day with where they were like well, this is the vibe we want to do so what should happen in this scene and then they didn't they didn't like storyboard it basically at all literally like they that. would the director and the cinematographer and the cinematographer would meet up that morning and say here's what we want to accomplish in this scene here's the vibe we're going for what can we do well, and I mean, if you think about a lot of the scenes based on like what the order and like which characters know what things, you could almost reshuffle most of the middle of the movie and not really change it whatsoever, you know? So that yeah. kind of, you could see that where that would be how they did things. But it turned out to be great. All the scenes were fucking entertaining as hell. So, yeah, so we can get into why I think this is a. Usually when I am thinking about like, okay, what is the best action movie? What's like the perfect structure for an action movie? I think a Die Hard because it's just so defined. I feel like the best action movies are when there is sort of defined, almost like a game or a sport. You know, in this movie, what the playing field is, what the teams are, what his objective is. You can see him like tallying up and keeping names on his arm of who he's killed, who's still there. He gathers information. He scavenges supplies after he takes people out. You always know what he has at his disposal, what he's lost, what condition he's in. And uh, yeah, it's like a video game. He's he's like fighting mini bosses and rolling them up into fighting eventually the big boss and, you know, conserving ammo when he needs to. And Right. You could almost so <laughs> treat, you could probably take chunks and treat each one as like a 20 minute episode if it was going to be a TV show yeah. where like each scene had a specific purpose in like objective getting to the final one for sure so i think the kind of limited scope of what's happening in the movie allows them to just play in that space with everything that's happening Mm. and nakatomi starts as this sort of maze-like thing where all the rich um all the rich finance people who are just like high on cocaine are in like the really nice areas (laughs) and john mcclain who's the blue collar cop is just like crawling through air ducts and he's in like the service corridors exclusively and like only in the industrial parts of the building. Yeah, and like what you were mentioning, the no jumping shoot. through elevator shafts and shit. It's. I was wondering like what the director's intention there was because that's a clear like decision. And I mean, I think it, yeah. t- it ties into like that that blue collar piece of things. But it was just it's an interesting. I was wondering choice. where it was like, going to get looped back into with the no shoes. Yeah, he's, he's just so vulnerable. He's like so human, and action stars at this time really aren't. Well, that's I, I got that second. Like, I really loved when Alan Rickman was like, "Shoot the glass," and you do exactly like he's like, "Oh, you just he knew." Yeah, so everyone's making barefoot. interesting, like, smart decisions. Yeah, like what villain ever makes a decision like that in a movie? Yeah, you glass. don't see those like really good like. And he wasn't overly violent. He was very calculated and very like, how what's the best decision to make right now at this second, and then we'll go from there. I don't know. I fucking loved it. That was the most brutal scene when he had to pull that giant chunk of glass oh, out yeah. of his foot. Yep. That was that was brutal. I just didn't watch. It was fine. Yeah, as in as he's like pulling the glass out of his feet, that's when Al's telling him that he shot a kid. I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Um, I love that too. I love that Al had his own like little small B plot that they resolved in the movie. You put that into like a five minute span of seeing this character and he had his own fucking arc. Like that was fantastic. And I I guess we should mention it's like, yeah, it's probably different that his arc is that he shot a kid and now he's afraid (laughs) to shoot people and no he he learns how to shoot people again at the end it's beautiful so interesting and like even when pat was talking about like when they were walking in and they were shooting and it was like you were thinking they were shooting a bunch of people like that's how we saw it but i think even for a movie in the 80s the idea of having a terrorist go into a building and start shooting like that was just unthinkable i don't think anybody in the audience yeah you're right that's probably 21st century eyes where i was right? like this is a mass shooting yeah, no and like I, I think it's just interesting like it was more that, like they, they wanted to negotiate or get something out of it your mind didn't go to righteous mass murder yeah. I don't even think they could have thought of something that like bad. Yeah, no, it's just it's that there's that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great. And I just thought of, you know, thinking about so a little over 10 years before is Halloween and Michael Myers is so scary because he doesn't have any motive. Right. He's just moving and killing. And the these guys everyone keeps thinking, "Oh, I'm going to I'm going to negotiate with them." Even the uh Al's boss comes the deputy police chief of los angeles and he's like well there can't be hostages if there were hostages we would have a reason yeah they would have given us demands by now there would have been a ransom request and And it's just like no no ransom request you gotta put yourself back into that time (laughs) frame where the world itself hadn't really seen events like this it might not even be that unrealistic the way that the services were responding that might have just been yeah well as al says they're running the universal terrorist playbook but yeah. these guys aren't yep. even terrorists. Nope. Then <laughs> that so they're running a playbook that it does not fit the situation. And so that's why the cops and the feds are always one step behind because they continually underestimate it. And uh Hans Gruber just stays a step ahead of them the whole time. Great stuff. It's kind of like what we were talking about with Lecter too, where he's a great villain because you don't know his backstory. Like you don't know where he learned the FBI playbook. You don't know why he has this. You know what I mean? He's just cool when he does. There was that one news clip where they said he was part of an organization. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they disowned him. Yeah, yeah he was part of an organization. That even the organization was like, we don't have anything to do with we, this guy. We got nothing. Yeah, we called up the terrorists, you know, press reps on the phone, and they said, yeah, we don't like this guy anymore. <laughs> Terrorists said no new phone. Who dis? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, yeah, it's it's funny. I think all, all the media stuff that gets threaded through pretty subtly, I feel like... <laughs> As I'm getting older, that that hits that, that 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 stuff really pops. Where it's just all the all the media people are either like vapid idiots, like the guy who's like Helsinki, that's in Finland, um, or the the remote reporter who is like really just the, the shittiest dude. That was a great side plot. Maybe yeah. besides Ellis in the movie, he's like the shittiest dude who like threatens to call, I guess, INS, INS on yeah. the uh, housekeeper who is who is clearly you know uh, Latina. If he doesn't, if she doesn't let him in the house to interview children <laughs> on live TV, yeah. I was like, "Is this illegal? <laughs> yeah, to interview a five-year-old without their parents' consent on the news at the time, probably." Yeah. Well, they let the the housekeeper let him in, so yeah. yeah, he didn't care about that. He just wanted to be first and have the most uh, ratings for it, you know. So this, yeah, that's another thing. This movie just thinks everything sucks, and and everyone besides cowboy types besides john mcclane types not even cops in general because the cops suck in the movie it it wasn't even a pro cop movie like even the like the one good cop was i mean he was this like out of shape not actual like 
cop. The only good cop was the, the one not performing check, yeah. as a cop, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I love that, like, the FBI comes on the scene, and you've been dealing with this this terrible deputy chief guy who does... I mean, he's the he's the principal from Breakfast Club, and he's essentially playing the same character. He's just like an unrepentant asshole. That okay? Um, <laughs> he looks so familiar. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's what it is. I looked it up too. It's like, where's this guy from? I'm knock your dick right in the dirt. <laughs> yeah, and uh, then the the feds get there, and they're kind of like way more nonchalant. You're like, okay, well, at least this, at least the deputy guy's not like in charge anymore. Yeah, you do get a sense of relief. And then it turns out the feds are worse. Also incompetent, yeah. <laughs> so bad. They're worse. When, when they're like riding in on the helicopter, and he's like, aha, just like Saigon. <laughs> like, like, wow, these guys on. fucking I, suck. Just like Saigon, fuck you, is yeah, what right, I wrote. Yeah. <laughs> like, fuck these guys. The, you, you could, that's exactly their mindset. They're like, I'm so badass, I'm just like a GI. I'm like, oh my god i hate them all yeah even the deputy guys like fuck those guys <laughs> the guy in the helicopter was like i'm too young for that like the other guy's too young for that he wasn't inside well they they all get blown up anyway yeah, so that's true. oh that's to make them unredeemable so you don't feel bad <laughs> right yeah and you're like yeah you know what screw those guys too there you go there's some saigon the for you like, because we're gonna need some more fbi guys which is like there okay. was some unintentional comedic gold when the deputy chief goes i hope that's not a hostage i don't know why but i found that fucking hilarious i think it i mean i don't think it's unintentional i think it's supposed to be funny oh god yeah Wait, which part oh, when he oh, threw, <laughs> after hans gruber falls oh, and he goes yeah, oh, that's yeah. a hostage. Oh, that's hostage. like wow like yeah obviously but this is not something you say deputy commissioner like, what's wrong with yeah you? well everything's a little heightened so it's it's fine it was um, good it was great i loved it what's some yeah this is a this is movie really lends itself well to just like throw out some favorite parts what, what do you guys think my favorite scene was the um, the Bruce Willis, uh, the John McClane and Hans Gruber meeting up uh, in real life scene uh, because I mean it's just that when you give a guy a gun to like gauge how much you can trust them it was just fantastic. I couldn't tell if he knew from literally the second that he introduced himself if he knew it was Hans Gruber. But obviously, I mean, he starts doing that like crazy American accent. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was hilarious. With uh, Alan Rickman playing like a German guy, and Alan Rickman, obviously British, playing a German guy doing a fake American accent. Yeah, that was awesome. The scene where the security guard is pretending to watch college football and be like gambling on college football. I'm so American. I watch college football. The, the, both of those scenes cracked me up, but yeah, the one where they they meet up and uh, that scene's awesome, and they're and they're just like kind of you can tell they're sizing each other up, and he says his name's Bill Clay, and McLean clocks that there's a William Clay on the directory board behind him, and you don't know if that means he trusts him more right. or less. Then he gives him the gun and he starts walking away, and I just love Willis's face as he's like he's got the cigarette sort of hanging out of his mouth. Even though, you know, smoking's not cool, but he, he makes it look super cool in this movie. Um, <laughs> and uh, you hear Gruber, like, on speaking German into his uh, walkie-talkie and, like, bring the gun up behind him, and then he tries to shoot him. It doesn't work, because he took the bullets out. For that scene, I had been waiting, because, like, obviously his wife is in the building, so you're waiting for, like, when that shoe drops, like, when Hans finds out his wife is there, and I was wondering if that was going to be the scene. So that's, like, up until the point where he got the gun, I was, like, waiting, and I was like, oh, he still hasn't said that his wife is here. I don't think he still trusts him, and then it was... Click. Okay. Yep. But it was good. You really weren't sure, like, if he was just not mentioning, like, maybe he wouldn't have mentioned that with anyone. He didn't with the police, but I don't know. I thought that was cool. Yeah. The the whole thing that's great is you're in this, like, you're in this building and it's such a cat and mouse game, but McLean isn't only in survival and hide mode. He also sometimes has the upper hand. 
And then sometimes it comes right back the other way because then, you know, Gruber is basically just like, fine, you know, I already had a plan B in motion. There's backup coming just in case this didn't work out. Yep. And that's right when the uh, elevator opens. But yeah, so uh, yeah, anything else? I was just thinking, I really like the scene when Ellis thought he like had this great plan to go negotiate, and he's uh, sitting there, he's feeling all cool, and they're like, they just, yeah, obviously end up killing And him. he keeps <laughs> being like, oh, my life's at stake here, yeah. and then he like gives like a thumbs up and a <laughs> yeah, wink like, to Hans. But there's suspense there, because you can see um, John McClane like realizing, you know, obviously, tr- you know, what he's doing and trying to kind of talk, help him, even though he hates him, so, yeah. But that's when I thought the wife shoe was going to fall. Yeah. I was, I, I'm st- I still am stunned. Like, why didn't this dude just throw, like, he's... He's clearly a guy who cares about himself. Why didn't he just throw John's wife under the bus? Um, I think I think he thought he could work it out that he would be the one to like give them McLean and then he would like get in on whatever they're doing, kind of, and he'd He'd enrich himself in some way. I don't know. He's just an asshole. So that's, but he's, he's kind of stupid. <laughs> what I got from it is I don't think he's stupid because he's he's a higher up in this company. He's clearly a somewhat intelligent person. What he is is he's someone who thinks he's smarter than he is. Yeah, that's very fair. So he went into that situation and he didn't give John up because even at a certain point in that interaction, I thought he knew what he was doing and he did kind of know what he was doing. What he did wrong was he misunderstood the stakes and he treated it like business stakes and not like this is a man that will just fucking kill me so i think he was trying to be smart and he was trying to make good decisions and i think john saw that too and realized like you're so fucked man you don't even know the game you you don't know what kind of dude you're messing with right now that whole sequence is so good you're totally you're totally right yeah mclean even though he hates this dude is immediately like you don't know who you're fucking with here. Like you're really in over your head. I Get see out the of tactic there. you're doing because he asked him. He's like, "What did you tell him?" Like, because he was about to go murder him. Like, I think he, yeah. you know what I mean. He's like, "If you told him about Holly," but he knew, like, "No, I'm not." That's not the play here. I, I don't think he was trying to save himself necessarily. I think he was trying to be the hero. And he and felt he, indestructible. And we saw him doing cocaine multiple times too, so he <laughs> yeah, probably had like, overconfidence. Like, right right yeah. before he decides to like go in to talk to Hans, you can yeah. see he's like tweaking out, yeah, and exactly. he has a. Everything he says is just like, so he, he is the, it's almost over the top, but he's the guy that is standing in for kind of 80s businessman douchebag excess. Yes. When Holly, he's like kind of tweaking out on cocaine and he's like, I'm going to go in there. This has gone on long enough. And Holly's like, what are you going to do? And he says, I closed million dollar deals for breakfast, babe, or something like that. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> like, <I'll be> <laughs> you don't know his background too much, but he definitely no, comes off as the guy who was like, <laughs> he was born on third base, thought he had right, a triple, yeah. one of those types of dudes. Abs- then, yeah, so he thought he could do nothing wrong. He probably thought he was invincible in the moment. Yeah, you're probably right. He was like, I'm going to save the day. This is, this is easy. No one's just trying it. They're not going to kill me. I'll give them money. <laughs> exactly. the, yeah, the best fucking part when he comes in and... Uh, he says, like, oh, what can you do for me? He goes, Hans, booby, oh, I'm your booby. white knight. <laughs> that was amazing. And I just love what he's like, oh, and this, this, this. And Hans is like, you're exactly right. I'm like, oh, my God, yeah. you fucking moron. You Hans fucking immediately moron. is like, oh, this will be fun. I'll yeah. fuck with this guy and then shoot him in the face. Yeah, like, like absolutely. <laughs> like, as soon as he walked in, I'm going to murder this was guy. Was anyone sad by that, though? No. I was like, Kind oh. of. It, and it sets up the amazing gag where, once again, just making fun of TV news, the TV, you, you cut back to the to the news station and they have on a quote unquote expert and he's describing, well, at this point, there's something called the Helsinki syndrome. When the anchors goes, that's in Finland. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you're starting to get like some sympathy and, and they're kind of like mentally switching roles. And 
And uh, as he's still going on, then you just hear the audio as the robbers, quote unquote, terrorists are dragging Alice's body through the room. And everyone's like kind of like shocked and, and like really freaking out. And the quote unquote expert is still saying like, yeah, we know a lot of like a lot of people still correspond with their captors when they're in prison. And like they actually become like pretty like close and intimate. That was hilarious. <laughs> like, oh, OK. This, this, so everyone's bullshit. Nothing matters. I, I like, lost it when he gave the book name. It was a uh, hostage terrorist terrorist hostage. I was, oh, my God. This is so out of touch. It's hilarious. Love Ellis. Yeah, that whole sequence is great. The way he's playing it was like not understanding the way Hans is kind of egging him on and the way McLean, and there's a great moment where Hans says, there's someone like important to you that I have here. And you can see on McLean's face, he thinks it's his wife. That's the suspense though. That's right. Yeah. And then it's Ellis that comes on and then he immediately goes, Oh no, Ellis has fucked everything up. Exactly. <laughs> that realization. Yeah. His heart sinks when he thinks it's his wife, but then it, it's he's probably like, this is an even worse situation because at least she's smart. I my wife would know what to do. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, it's so good. Anything else? Like I like I said, I feel like this is a good one to just jump around. I love when um so Reginald Vell Johnson from Family Matters, he plays Al, the uh, cop, the good cop. Um well, first off, I love the relationship that him and Bruce Willis established. I know. It's just like they're just such good bros and it's definitely like a more emotional meeting of them at the end than Holly and John reuniting. Right. We kind of saw their chemistry, yeah. their, their building they relationship. They together first, right. but but it's it's Al that John McClane sees through the crowd and like walks to in slow motion and then they have like a really tight hug. Well, they didn't have any relationship building. Al and John yeah. had relationship building. Yeah, exactly. And you were rooting obviously for Al because he was the one that could see, you know, he was the one that figured out that he seemed like a cop and, you know, yep. things like that when everybody else just was incompetent, wasn't picking up on, you know, him trying to help everyone. So For sure. I love that part. Like, I think he's a cop. Oh, on a gut feelings well he used like all of our lingo so i don't know literally yes. me, i guess but. he told me the exact right information that i needed to know he told me he used the code like oh it's a party line to tell me that like the the terrorists are listening are he also radioed into the police line yeah he, <laughs> he knew like knew the channel and yeah. all that. he's probably just a bartender yeah. <laughs> like are you fucking kidding the worst. me <laughs> Yeah, she's like, oh, probably the same guy that pulled that fire alarm. I don't know. I know. Like, yeah, like, probably. Like, <laughs> and I loved the, I loved that with the the dispatcher when he's on the phone with him. This and is then for like, emergencies only. She her, she was, takes off the headset because the gunshots are too loud. And oh, like, she was the worst. That was like the all most right, frustrating go, part of the movie. Like, go see, I guess. Of all the dumb characters, she yeah. was the worst. I know. She like, they, so there bad. had been a yeah a fire alarm pulled. This guy's radioing in, talking about emergency. She's like, You're sir, get an emergency call, call from a place that just had a fire alarm pole and you're like it's probably just a coincidence they're both yeah. mistakes i mean granted it's la i guess they have like, automatic weapon fire all the time is that just part yeah. of the course and it's not like bruce willis has like a child's voice no. like it's an actual <laughs> adult right. who is telling you like very specific information they're just dismissing it yeah. and they're not like oh there's a monster here and you're like you're a child no get out of here um i love when <laughs> when al gets the call one thing i hadn't noticed before is he's get he gets the call to go to Nakatomi Plaza and he like throws his chips or whatever in his backseat of his Twinkies cruiser. Ben. Twinkie, sorry, Remember he re- he rehearses yeah. the ingredients, recites the ingredients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then, that was a weird. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> he's like, why do you know the ingredients of fucking Twinkies? <laughs> well, who do, yeah, his wife, I think, wanted him a lot. Her cravings, mm-hmm. her pregnancy is what I, I don't know. Yeah, and the and the the guy at the cash register does not believe that they're not for him, which is fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so he's he's like, well, I'll just take a look. So he looks, he can see Nakatomi Plaza from where he is, and you see like lights going off on the roof. 
and he just thinks it's like emergency, or just, you know, warning lights or whatever. And then you cut to the roof, and there's muzzle flashes going off because <laughs> there's a there's a firefight happening. Yes, I hadn't noticed that before, and that's cool. But, but yeah. you worry that Al's incompetent at first too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like well, he, well, he's exploring. He kind of has to be pulled kicking and screaming into the plot of the movie. <laughs> I loved that. I, that like, seems as great. soon as you saw him connect the pieces, I'm like, I can't wait for this fucking body to hit the car. You like, yeah. you knew it was gonna. He's like, body hole. Yep. <laughs> Oh man, yeah, it's it's so good. the The whole sequence where Al goes inside and and the guy's you know pretending to be into college football, and you see Al walking down the hallway. There's a guy with a gun around the corner, mm. and Al like right before he gets to that guy's just like, oh screw this, I'm going home. And uh, he starts pulling away, and McLean's just like, oh you stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> and yeah, like you want me to hit you over the head with it? Fine. He throws the bodies the, at the floor. He throws the body on the car. All oh, the gunshots start going off. I feel like Vel Johnson plays that scene really great. We just go like, ah, Jesus Christ! And he's just that was awesome. He's just panic reversing all the way off of like a large ledge. Yes, yes. Through through trees and like planters and stuff. And yeah. I do love the plan because like part of me wanted to be like, well, what they're gonna kill him now? They'll obviously send backup. But then I'm like, wait, everything else in this movie had told me like, nope, they won't. Maybe a week later they'll be like, hey, what's with that cop car full of holes over there? Yeah. And anyone heal from hear from Al? Like, <laughs> yeah. Ev- eventually they get it, and, and the and the cops go, yeah. And everything's just awesome in this movie. I love. There's not a single second that's not an. In- I don't. I feel like there's almost nothing wasted. Everything is interesting or like a smart choice or kind of fresh, something you necessarily haven't seen before. Even when it's like, oh, I can I can tell what's about to happen when when the, there's the guy on the zigzag conference table and he's oh, on yeah, top yeah, while McCain yeah. while McLean's climbing underneath and he says like next time you get a chance to kill someone don't hesitate or something like that and then McLean just shoots him through the table like, the, <laughs> he's the, like a good advice thanks just <laughs> even the way he died too like after saying that like I don't know the, the way they chose to have the shots hit was just like very satisfying I, yeah. I don't know it was yeah it's, it's like, definitely interesting stuff yeah there's the guy who gets it real bad after the scene where McLean and Gruber meet up and then the backup comes and the first guy to run into the room um, McLean sh- like shoots his knees out and then he falls forward and goes like face first through a pane of glass. Oh yeah, yeah. You're like damn that would that guy, guy. I'll say the the special effects on the bullet impact is were pretty good in this yeah, movie for yeah, an the 80s movie. And stuff were really yeah. powerful like yeah. <laughs> mm. For sure. The uh the scene where there's the SWAT vehicle that goes up the steps and like knocks down a railing and then they shoot rocket launchers at it. It's crazy. If you look into the filming of this movie, um, I thought like, oh, maybe that's miniatures or something or like they no, they just did that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, they just did that. The thing that the railing that it knocks over, they didn't replace. <laughs> so, like, that's, that's so funny. I guess it maybe <clears throat> Yeah. And they had um explosives like on a wire to simulate the rockets going into it. So they actually were like firing explosives at a SWAT vehicle. Damn. <laughs> it was awesome. like fucking cool. Yeah. That must have been so cool. It must have been super cool. That's yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. That's a lot of the, it is just like, oh, how'd they do that? Oh, I don't know. They just did they it. Just like, did it. <laughs> that's what they, when they, he blew up the whole like fourth floor or whatever floor it was, that was a real explosion mm-hmm. too, right? Yeah. It was a real explosion. They actually, they, they said they accidentally, after McLean throws the C4 on the chair and the computer monitor down the elevator shaft, they accidentally did blow out all the windows on a floor of a building because <laughs> they're like, oh, they actually fired off an explosion. Wow. Accidentally. Yeah, it's like, oh, um, yeah, they say we can't actually do that, but I know we need it for the shot, so we're just going to pretend we didn't mean to. 
that was probably one of those so things. great and so satisfying where he's like you got the first shot you don't have to do the second i'll tell you what you need to do, what i need to do he's just mumbling into himself i'm sitting there as the viewer also mumbling to myself i'll yeah. show you what i need. Fantastic. Fantastic. It's great. And I, I guess he'd made like a quick mental calculation of like, all right, this will kill those two terrorists. Won't bring the building down. Won't kill people I don't mean to kill. Yeah, I was worried about the foundation of the building yeah. as well. And that's the one time where the deputy's like, dude, you just blew up a building. What the fuck? <laughs> all right, fine. I'll give it to him. So like, you think I care about a building right now? It's like, I don't okay. know, man. Well, you, saw... you should probably care about the building a little bit. Yeah, but that's when he says, you know, like, why, like, why would you... Why would you think he cares about what you do to him when he gets out of here? He doesn't think he's going to survive. Like, <laughs> No, that's true. Yeah. That was pretty great. Oh, man. So good. Um, we didn't talk about it yet. So he he goes into... There's a few different shafts. I'm not sure they're all elevator shafts, but at least a lot of them are. <laughs> um, the years is the, the scene where he kind of jumps and then misses the first duct entrance but and falls down to the next one. He wasn't supposed to. It's not Bruce Willis doing that stunt, but the yeah, stunt man stuntman, yeah. actually fell that amount of distance and then like caught himself on the next wow. one. And they're like, "That looks way cooler. We'll stick with that." That's, That's crazy. Terrifying. <laughs> deep, by fell, do you mean like if he actually didn't catch that, he could have like fallen to his death, or like ass- they messed up? The- I assume like right under that is probably a mat or something. Okay. And he okay. just caught himself at the last second, but it probably, probably like, would have broken bones been, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably pretty uncomfortable because if he fell that much further and then caught himself just with his hands on a really thin ledge, like right. he probably fucked up his shoulders or something. It's true. But hey, Sunman, that's that's what they do. Um, so so cool. All that to say, the the scene in the duct where he's crawling forward, it's in darkness, and then he turns the lighter on, and you know, it's just. It's iconic. That's one of the things uh, I've seen. Like that was peak suspense the of the movie. Uh, peak suspense. But that that line, come out to the coast, get together, we'll have a few laughs. It's like, man, Willis. I don't. I don't see anyone else doing this role yeah, as good as Willis. Funny. Holy shit, so good. Yeah, he sold it really well. Yeah, especially for his first big role. Good for him. Like that was. Yeah, yeah. I love how much he sort of like. You can track just how like more and more fucked up he's getting over the course of the movie, whether it's his feet or he starts with a white um, like A-frame shirt. And by the end, it's completely black I love <laughs> just that. from like probably grease well, from going around the ducks. The end, right? Isn't stuff. he shirtless at the well, end? Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Before, he, before he takes it <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah. Well, then the first time Holly sees him, like she's been dealing with like the terrorists <laughs> yeah, directly the entire like, time. Oh and she's God. like, what the fuck? Like, it's just because yeah. like she's been through an ordeal and she looks at him and can just immediately be like, oh, man, I've had it great. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, just, there's so many great just like little lines, not not a ton of, you know, standout oh. stuff like the come out to the coastline. But there's a lot of stuff like. He yells, no, you macho assholes when the SWAT team's like coming into the building and stuff. I got a, a Rickman one. Um, another orphan of a bankrupt culture, I thought, was like cutting well, in poor. Perfect. That that leads into the other most iconic line from the movie. Yeah, he says, you know, are you just like another orphan of a bankrupt culture who thinks you're, you know, another John Wayne, Rambo, Marshall Dillon. And he says he's always partial to Roy Rogers because of the sequin shirts. Who is Roy Rogers? I wrote uh, that down. A cowboy guy. Just like a John Wayne actor? Uh, specifically like a cowboy and like a cowboy oh, show really? kind of guy. Okay. So he's saying like, what do you think? You're John Wayne, a badass? And he's like, no, nah, I'm just a good showman. Right? Is that the... Um, I guess he's just more of a specific cowboy type guy. Because John Wayne is often like a mar- like a sheriff type guy. And he's 
John Wayne's a cop. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, Where, I yeah. don't know. I don't know these two people well enough. To or like a way. soldier and shit. And, and Roy Rogers is more just like the cowboy kind of on his own type of guy. Okay, okay. Um, Lone Ranger. Sure. Yeah, that's a good one. Then and that's when Hans sets him up for the line by saying, "Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mister Cowboy?" He says, "Yippee kaye, motherfucker." <laughs> yep. Yep. I love how he he delivers it and then just like slowly he just like turns goes through the door yeah. i was waiting for that line too because i knew mm-hmm. that was going to come up at some yeah. point like where, perfect delivery no notes i wrote here no notes on page um page five of 11 I wrote no notes <laughs> <laughs> you wrote that though yeah yeah i was wondering if that where that line came from it's such a like a, a random cluster of sounds that he just kind of threw together uh, it's became... a roy rogers thing oh it is, <laughs> oh, is it? yeah yeah it's uh, cowboys saying like yippee kaye and then you know riding their horse into gotcha, battle or gotcha yeah. i didn't know okay. that it was like an old western term yeah yeah it is yeah you you want it you got it <laughs> i love when um after after all the shit goes down with the c4 in the uh, office chair he yells geronimo motherfucker when he, <laughs> he keeps calling people motherfucker and throwing and throwing shit or uh just shade and um then he's talking on the walkie-talkie to Al, but Dwayne, the deputy, takes over, and he's like trying to give him orders and stuff, and he says, I'm not the one who just got butt-fucked on national TV, Dwayne. This is amazing. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Dwayne. <laughs> I love that, too. He's like, oh, I'm going to have your ass. Like, you are a cop in LA. I don't know what the fuck you think you're going to do to Bruce Willis, who's a cop in New York, but like, if I know one thing about police, it's that they never get in trouble, so. <laughs> oh, so good. Should probably mention that the actual heist that's happening and, and all the stuff going on with Theo is they're not actually terrorists. They're just trying to steal the bearer bonds, like we mentioned. And Theo's um, the only non like six, five, super tall white blonde guy in the crew. Um, the computer bes- guy. Besides the, yeah. besides the other guy with the, the big goatee, the Asian guy that's in there too. Um, Theo's the computer guy. He's working on getting the vault open. He keeps talking about needing a miracle. And then later on, you realize that the whole plan was to have the FBI order the city to cut the power because after getting enough magnetic locks done, cutting the power will open the vault that has all the bearer bonds in it. And uh, this this scene and this sequence is just so awesome because you're cutting between Gruber and Theo and whoever else is left. I guess it's just Carl maybe at this point of the terrorist group. The big, the yeah, the tall, yeah. the, the, the the final, yeah, the final long haired blonde guy that's there, and um, oh, like a a, a slow version of, yeah, uh, Ode to Joy's playing mm-hmm. while it opens, and Theo says Merry Christmas. At the same time, the FBI's outside saying like, oh, I bet that's got them pissing their pants. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like, and then they're, they're just doing so like a dumb. like yeah. kid in a candy shop montage, and they're like, We yeah. really got them, right? Yeah, uh, and. and yeah, they don't they don't know that they are just helping them so much. Yes. <laughs> uh it's just yeah. There's just so many fun things happening. So is is Theo a loose end? Because I don't we don't see exactly he gets uh, Argyle yes. crashes the limo into yeah. the van. And then, and then he punches him out. I'm assuming Is Theo He's arrested? <laughs> I'm assuming someone just goes, Oh yeah, one of them's in there. <laughs> gotcha. I, I would imagine what we know about Argyle, he probably threw his ass in the trunk and then drove up with him. You know, like I'm guessing yeah. that guy's in Argyle's trunk. Uh right, right at the end, I did know, you know. And I mean, it's an eight. It is an eighties action movie, even though it's a particularly smart version of one. 
Like, McLean doesn't just to get to leave. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no. No, he doesn't no, just get no, to be like, oh, no, this is my friend, no. or we're going to take off. You guys got All right, <laughs> like, thanks. I definitely like, wasn't a part of this. Don't worry. We all know yeah. that. Okay. The the deputy guy's like, we need to debrief. And it's kind of like, yeah, no, you, you, you do, probably you do. You do. do need to debrief, yeah. You should... I mean, let, maybe let for your, go to a hospital first, but and also for your protection because we don't know if there's other terrorist members that are waiting for people to leave. You know, like <laughs> right, yeah. definitely a lot. Yeah, you of definitely going can't just take here. off. But, um, the two, uh, so the two special agents, both named Johnson, are credited as Big Johnson and Little Johnson. <laughs> I noticed in the credits. I did not notice that. <laughs> yeah, I'd I was, say they were both pretty Big Johnsons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm assuming the older one is Big Johnson, I guess. Um, but yeah, they're credited as Big Johnson, Little Johnson. And it's like, oh, they had a lot of fun with those two guys being named Johnson. It was the one time the guy's like, yes, yeah, it's Special Agent Johnson. No, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the thing with the movie you could, that bleeds through. Is they just had a lot of fun in general with it. Seems like, like it. Just all around. Mm -hmm. It super seems like it. Um, it's more serious than most 80s action movies, but it doesn't take itself more seriously than most 80s action movies. No, it's, it's, yeah. And it has fun, but it's never dumb. No. You always know what, you always know, like, why someone's making the decision they're making. I don't think there was a single slapstick moment. You know, no. like, it was all just, like, funny, good. Yeah. And, yeah, so. and a lot of the, like, the fights and the kills are, like, legitimately brutal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and I mentioned in the in the Discord before we started, but yet another movie with just some dangling chains. Yeah, <laughs> yep. That it was. I was I was really surprised when that guy came back from the chains. I know. I, I feel like I fall for that every single time. And dude comes back from like a, something that everyone thought was a right. beyond dead position. Yeah. yeah. But when he popped up at the end, I was like, oh my god, mm -hmm. son of a bitch. that guy's a monster. <laughs> yeah. It was great. As soon as he popped up too, I was like, oh, there you go. Carl gets his own arc. I, I knew that's exactly what was coming. It was, it was so good. It was so worth it. Too. Yeah. It's 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 just awesome. And then we obviously have to touch on the very end of the fighting and the action parts of it where um, John, he hears his wife from down the hallway, sees he only has two bullets left. And you find out later, he, he, he it like zooms in on some festive tape and uh, you see later that he's faking everyone out. He has a machine gun and they tell him to like put it down mm -hmm. and he does, but he's got a pistol taped to his back. Oh, that, that was, was a best. good scene. Yeah. yeah. There's, so. there's some great like uh, villain monologue type stuff and he's making fun of him and being a cowboy again. That's yeah. when we've talked about watching this. I've mentioned I've watched Brooklyn Nine Nine a couple times, and it's the main character's favorite movie. So there was a couple scenes like that where, like, I was expecting them to come because he parodies them in the show so much. So that it was just sense. cool to like see, like, it was like, oh, is this? It's the end of the movie. He's got one gun in his hand. I know there's a fucking other one taped somewhere, mm -hmm. and like, it was just cool to see the payoff of like, for sure. Yeah, he does. He does. I love the the kind of just like weird vibe where everyone just starts laughing. Like he gets everyone <laughs> laughing. And then he's like, I'm going to distract them with weird laughter. And yes. every, then everyone's laughing like too hard for a while. <laughs> and it goes on for like kind of a while. And then he shoots the uh, sports. Well, he shoots Hans first and then the, the uh, sports, the college sports guy. Yep. And then you get the iconic scene of Hans hanging off of Holly's arm out of the window and um, John trying to like get to her bracelet or watch. The Rolex. Watch the Rolex that uh, Rolex? Ellis the, gave her. Yeah. Oh. Yes, the Rolex that Ellis gave her. Right, That's right. Awesome. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if it was bracelet or watch. That's good. 
And uh, Hans, in, in slow motion, you see him slowly, like, steadying his aim to shoot them. And uh, right before he's about to, they fi- they get the clasp open, and he falls to his death. A very iconic shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was cool. I feel like I've, I've probably seen that shot parodied before, because oh, it yeah. seems so familiar. Mm-hmm. Or just, like, in a montage of, like, movies that are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel yeah, like it's, it's in, like, any shot like that. And then you get the ending stuff. We already, we already basically basically covered everything else um but so that shot is they told him that they were going to go on the count of three and they dropped him on one that's why alan rickman looks so surprised so good they made him do it twice they but they only used they used the first take but they were like just in case do it again (laughs) i doubt he i doubt he trusted whatever count they (laughs) told him it was going to be that time um it varies to depending on what you read it was either 20 feet or 70 feet that they dropped him what wow and it's a pretty difficult stunt because the, they drop them onto like a onto a you know a big airbag. Yeah. But um, most stuntmen don't fall backwards because then you can't see where you're going. Right. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Seventy feet. Yeah. It's yeah. Apparently, they, depending on who you ask, it's either twenty or seventy feet. Urban legend. <laughs> that doesn't seem really necessary. <laughs> no. Well, the so they drop Alan Rickman that far, but then the guy. The stuntman who's actually doing when you see the body falling, oh. uh, he was he fell 318 feet. <laughs> wow! Because because the because fo- the actual buildings in that shot, so they couldn't do it at a different place. So he actually they actually did throw him off the building. Um, wow. but he was in a special harness that as he got closer to the ground, it slowed down. So you you don't see the body hit the ground, right. obviously. That's insane. Um, it's it's falling and then it cuts to the deputy and Al, and you hear a thump, and they both kind of wince. <laughs> That's when he says, I hope that wasn't a hostage. Um, yeah. Yeah, if you can if you fall right, you can do crazy distances. Mm-hmm. I mean, even when you don't fall right, there's those like people up in Russia doing like the lineman jobs that just fall six hundred feet and get up and walk away. Your bodies are just weird. Yeah. Um a lot of it a lot of it was pretty practical. A lot of the stunts and stuff. This is nineteen eighty eight. They don't really have the CGI capable of Oh yeah doing a ton yet so um, blew up the building because they had to blow up the building uh if if not it's gonna look like crap Uh, yeah i mean more or less yeah so for the the final helicopter scene it took uh and this is just from imdb or wikipedia so always a grain of salt you know whatever but it's still interesting sorry if you if you hate that we're just i wasn't there i don't know myself i have to use research sorry you dick <laughs> i know so the final I organic scene. facts I you, you came up with there. yeah i was i was there taking notes but it's been it's been a while it's been like 32 33 years so. I'm putting that on the insta oh, no. um so that 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 helicopter scene on the roof it took them six months of preparation they only had two hours to film it they did three attempts above fox plaza and the actual building they had nine camera crews filming with 24 different cameras, the cinematographer said that the uh, different angles enhanced the realism. It does look awesome. When when the helicopter comes up to the top of the building and you see from their angle, Willis like firing the gun with the hostages yeah, there, does it does look really cool. Yes. Yes. So, yeah. He almost good saves shit. them too. It was a good plan to get the helicopter away from the building. But Yep. Uh, like I said, they used an actual SWAT vehicle and actually blew it up on Fox Plaza. <laughs> Um, awesome. yeah, they had to invent like a different kind of camera to capture Alan Rickman falling because people fall fast and it's hard to keep them in focus. Mm. So I assume that's part of why they do it in slow motion. Plus you want to be able to see his facial expression. 
But I guess they only have about a, a second and a half in there, actually. But, yeah, no. So I'm surprised, Ben, that you're not bringing up the biggest discussion point of this movie, though. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Great debate. <laughs> Is it a Christmas movie? It's absolutely a Christmas movie. I have it written like three times in here that it's absolutely a Christmas movie. I can't even believe it's a debate. I know. I I don't know. I'm, I feel Chris, like I didn't go, think it was. Well, really? I could go either way. I, it's obviously set in a Christmas environment in that, but it does end with like a very Christmassy scene. Isn't it snowing at the end when they're it like ended with it? Let it snow. It's a happy let it snow. It's, it I have is, a machine gun now. Ho ho ho! But like Christmas, obviously, isn't the central focus of it. I don't know. Like, I mean, I can definitely be convinced either way. I'm yeah. not strong. Against People it say being. Merry Christmas a lot. Yeah. <laughs> if if you want to like needlessly gender things, I'd say this is the only Christmas movie I'd say was geared towards men. You know, like every other Christmas movie would be more of like a, a female based like kind yeah. of plot. This was would be your like male perspective Christmas movie. Like I, I saved my wife. We didn't have this whole sappy like romantic get together. I kicked a bunch of ass and now my wife loves me again. I don't know. Yeah. He, did, know. he I mean, did. I don't know. It's, it's a robbery <laughs> taking place during Christmas Eve. I don't know. I mean. But the whole plot, like the beginning plot is like. I'm at odds with my wife. We need to get back together. Right. There's the there's the guy trying to steal her. It's Ellis. He's a douchebag. You know, it, it's the cla- it's a Hallmark Christmas movie plot with a bunch of gunshots in action in the middle with a Hallmark classic yeah. resolution. I don't yeah, know. it is someone like coming coming home for Christmas and like fighting off the new potential bow and stuff. Um Kind of. <laughs> to go home to the kids kind afterwards. No, I bet you the guest anything. bed's being unmade, you know? She's Mrs. McLean now. I don't know. It's it's basically a Christmas movie. Yeah. There's no presents. <laughs> there is. There's there the is. Bear. There's a big fucking bear. Oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's no scenes of John McLean and his kids together, right. but there's From a photo. From the guy's perspective. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 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 exactly. So yeah, a couple questions. So what do you think Argyle was just doing? Because it took it takes him a really long time to realize that there's currently terrorists. Well, how long do you think? The, how long was he in the parking garage? What's the start to finish time? Do you think of all that stuff? I think it's happening. There's some of it that isn't that can't be happening exactly real time, but I think it's basically over the course of a few hours. I would. I was going to say anywhere between three and six. Was I had the four. I four is the number. I had yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. I think four is the safe. Like I'd go with four. There's there's probably there's a lot of waiting around. Yeah, he was in between the scenes in the yeah. movie. I would assume. I was just gonna say he, he was not concerned at all. No, he didn't, he didn't care. <laughs> it was hours and, I mean, until he, was, he heard on the news <laughs> that the building he was currently in is being occupied he by was, terrorists. Like, drinking. He was like listening to music. He was calling a girl. Yeah. I don't know. He was well, chilling with he the was, bear. I'm pretty <laughs> sure just because of the way Bruce Willis worded things, he was on the clock. On call, right? Just using company property he had a car phone i mean back in the 80s like nobody could call from not their house so he probably just was like dialing everyone he knew like guess where i'm calling from a fucking car it was his first day on the job too so maybe he thought this is just like what you do you just sit around and wait for four hours and you you probably don't hear from your client i mean this guy happened to be bruce willis but most of his clients that's probably what you do do you know they go into a business meeting you're not gonna bother some guy in like a, a boardroom you know yeah, and, and and obviously he's in the beginning for the useful kind of characterization of uh, both he and Bruce Willis don't don't know don't know from limo folk. So 
He just sits in the front with Argyle. <laughs> I, I did have a note about that because he's like, it's my first day. I don't know. I'm like, all right, I'm sorry, but you should probably know how to drive the right, limo. Yeah, like, like, I'm sure they told you. Like, I thought that that was kind of like shoving the blue collar thing in your face a little bit. <laughs> For sure. It, it was it's funny. A quick it characterization. was fine, but it's I was just efficient. like, you should know how to do your job just at least the intro level. <laughs> yeah, but it's efficient characterization for both of them. Argyle's kind of like, whatever, and Bruce Willis is like, I don't know about limos. Mm, California. <laughs> I did love that too where he's like, I'm a taxi driver. They expect me to talk a lot because, I mean, anyone that wasn't Bruce Willis in that limo would be like, Argyle, you need to shut the fuck up right now. Argyle was wicked cool, dude. No, really? I loved him. I, I, lo- I loved him, him yeah, too. But you mean but the, like, the kind of folk that, that Bruce Willis' be... character thinks takes limos when you want him to talk? Exactly. Like, think of like any of the other board members. When like he put Ellis. on that like, rap Christmas song, <laughs> yeah, probably a lot of white businessmen in the 80s would have been offended. Very yeah. upset. They like, around very those. upset. Yeah. That's a that's a Ellis, DMC Ellis, Ellis would have acted like it was his favorite song though and started rapping along. <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I mean Argyle was really introspective on Bruce Willis, obviously. Yeah. He, he could definitely read people. I feel like he had a lot of good character qualities to be a limo driver. But you're right. Maybe he just but that's because he's so introspective, maybe he can read the room so well. And if he had one of those clients, maybe he puts on a different like facade. I right. can see that. Bruce Willis was sitting that. in the front seat with him. So he's like, all right, we're friends. You know, maybe I don't know. Yeah, people like that have a good read of who they can fuck with mm-hmm. and who they can't. Right. Yeah, and if you're talking about like a, a taxi driver in the city, even though one's LA and then a cop from a city, even though the other one's New York, they're probably, you know, Very they, know, they know people. how to talk to each other. Yeah. Right, they know how to talk. Yeah, no, I didn't have any complaints about Argyle. It was just an interesting, like, I don't know, I, I had some thoughts. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so Legacy the Movie, we already talked a little bit about it challenging and changing the way action movies look and the way action movies cast, especially the stars. Mm. Um, and then obviously you have so many other kind of copycat type movies that are, you know, Die Hard on a bus, for instance, like Speed or just <laughs> other things. I have things seen Speed. I like Speed. It's people in tight quarters against overwhelming odds. That's what this says. I'm re- But... You know, I was gonna say I don't know if I give speed <laughs> shit because I'd give them. Uni- I want to give speed shit. Speed's good. <laughs> I just, I'd give them uniqueness for their plot with like that yeah. bus and stuff like that. That yeah. was pretty. It's not. It's song. not like it's a derogatory movie, thing. But. It's just. It's just to say that it's a, such a big influence on a lot of other action movies. Oh, Obviously, yeah. even Brooklyn Nine Nine characters very influenced they do a whole like uh diehard parody where he's like so in the good. store i have a note because he did like the he's he's writing on his arm like making up names for him and like i didn't realize bruce willis oh, yeah. actually does that mm-hmm. like in the it because it looks ridiculous when the joke character in brooklyn 99 does it but obviously not when bruce willis is like being strategic about and i it. think the joke is that joe latrulio's character charles has only seen the edited version so he, he thinks it's uh, what yippee kayak? He says <laughs> yippee kayak other buckets, and it's amazing. Yeah, it's like I'm pretty sure that's right. <laughs> like the snakes on a plane quote. <laughs> I can't remember what it is. A monkey something. Yeah, yeah something I, I was about monkeys. Say, I know it's monkey something, right? I'm sick of these monkey loving. It's probably monkey loving. It might be monkey loving. <laughs> that sounds worse. <laughs> I just worse. say same motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce Willis. Um, who are, who are the other two action heroes that you, Stallone and Stallone and Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So like these giant ripped, like 275 pound bodybuilder type dudes, people who you can't like conceive of just a normal guy who exists at a normal blue collar job. And they also have these incredibly deep voices and yeah. um, And Willis is kind of like sarcastic. He's self deprecating (laughs) and he's, even though he's in really good shape, he's still kind of just like. 
yeah, that guy could be a cop. <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, he's still pretty much blue collar, right? I mean, right, he was yeah. like a TV show actor. I wouldn't right. really put them as like the top of the. <laughs> yeah, those those know? are the yeah. I thought he looked good. Still no, 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 no. He no, looks no. great too. I, I don't. Oh, I, I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, like to give that white collar impression, like he wasn't a big celebrity. He yeah. was basically a, a blue collar person. I feel the character is like, very relatable. I mean, he. I feel like everyone's met a guy like John McClane in their life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just a but no one has met like, like Rambo in real life. That doesn't even True. make sense. Right, exactly. So it, to to the point that they didn't even put him on the original poster for the movie. It's just the Nakatomi Plaza, Fox Plaza in L.A. Um, eventually, he's on obviously the marketing for the movie. Once they're like, oh, actually, this guy gives uh, iconic star performance in the movie, and he's about to be extremely famous. So wow. did they? Re- he really was already famous, but like movie star famous. Did they rename the tower, or was it never Nakatomi? No, it's never. It's it's Fox Plaza in LA. Okay, it was yeah. always just like mm-hmm. they they gave a fake. They liked they liked how it looked with its kind of uh, you know angles and such, and it is an iconic looking building. Gotcha. They're not wrong. Um, mm-hmm. They don't think it's going to do that well, but it does. It makes $140 million. Like I said, the uh, 10th highest grossing wow. film of that year. What was what the budget? Many, like 10? Budget is um, 25 to 35. Wow. And it's almost entirely on location in LA. What time of year was it released? Do we know if it was summer around Christmas? I'm just <laughs> She's still on the Christmas argument. Yeah. July. It's Christmas in July. Yep, that's classic Christmas time. Classic Christmas <laughs> in July. You know how they do. <laughs> um, obviously, Willis's performance and Alan Rickman's performance are all, you know, even the negative reviews are saying, yeah, though that is really good, especially the Hans Gruber performance. What are the negative right reviews? Have you like looked at enough of them to yeah. know what the general criticism of the movie is? Um, I haven't looked at them, but I've looked at a summary of them, and the criticism was focused on violence, plot, and Willis's performance. Which, oh, really? They're criticizing Willis's yeah. performance? Interesting. <laughs> oh, Isn't wild. that crazy? Yeah. Um, but even they liked uh, McTiernan's direction and Rigman's performance. If the I, violence. <laughs> if I had to give so criticism of Willis's performance, I'd probably say, and I think this is more just because of his character, but like he didn't really show a ton of emotions through it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like he, he yeah. kind of like he had his moments where you attribute emotion to it, but I don't know if he really like he kind of had that Harrison Ford apathy thing, but I think that was part of the character. Uh, yeah, that's definitely part of it. He does open up when he thinks he's about to die, <laughs> like yeah, telling yeah, you how, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, I don't, I, I didn't really, it took me a while to realize I was a jerk and, you know, tell my wife I'm sorry. Yeah, I know it's not actually your criticism. I see, I see where you're coming from. Like, if I just had to, like, maybe that's what they were saying, but I, I think it was perfectly done. Yeah, so it did get four Academy Award nominations. Now, uh, now Bruce Willis is a leading man. Now, Alan Rickman is famous. So what were the nominations for? So it gets nominated for Best Visual Effects, Sound Mixing, Film Editing, and Sound Editing. I'm assuming it won none. I think that's the correct assumption. That's sad. It is sad, but I, yeah, the editing you in this movie up an is entire awesome. floor of a building you don't even want an Academy Award. <laughs> Bullshit. Uh, should have blown up the Academy Awards. <laughs> Whoa! Absolutely should have. <laughs> Edit that part out. <laughs> uh, yeah, Die Hard now considered one of the greatest action films and often named as one of the best Christmas films. Well, I was going to ask you, it keeps coming up on podcasts where you're like, I don't know if we'll ever do another perfect movie. Is this a perfect movie? It's a lot different than Spirited Away and Silence of the Lambs. Well, but like, but... so if we were going to separate out the categories, right? Spirited oh, Away sure. is this perfect children's movie. Silence of the Lambs is a perfect, like, crime thriller movie. We need a, We need an action movie to be the perfect one. Which one is it? Well, yeah, like I said, this is my archetypical, this is a perfectly built and constructed action movie. 
Um, I still I like those other two movies more than Die Hard. Yeah. I don't know. I but, think I call it a perfect movie in the sense of there's nothing I change about it. If you're grading it on a scale of what it's trying to accomplish, I don't think it can accomplish any of it better. No. There you go. Yeah. That's a very good. That's a very <laughs> There's really scene. no dull points in the no, movie. No. no. It's all interesting. Yeah. That's what I always forget. I like I turned it on. It's like two hours and 12 minutes. I don't remember it being that long. There's literally a comment in the Discord. I was talking to Greg yeah. about doing something afterwards. And I'm like, never mind. I got to wait. Apparently, Die Hard's two fucking hours long. And, and more. And, and I, I wasn't yeah. sure how it was going to be that long either. And I had no idea like what this movie was about when we started watching it. And then like I kind of started to figure it out. And I think oh, there were commercials or repositories or something. I'm like, how is there still an hour and a half left? But, it, you know, it didn't feel like it. It really. Yeah. And so I'm seeing that. I, and then I started watching it on it's on, I think, IMDb's free channel or whatever. And it has commercials. And then it was just we like there commercials was commercials too. Yeah. Brutal. The commercials every nine minutes. I was just like, this is absolutely killing the flow. And this movie is all flow. And so then I was just like, I got to guess who got four more of my goddamn dollars. Yeah, I, I had to. <laughs> I had to fund the uh, Bezos rocket project with four more of my dollars. We as did well. Amazon uh, with commercials when we watched it, and yeah. the commercials. I mean, it sucks. The commercials, yeah, it sucks. commercials ruin movies. I was watching it. It was like okay, if it's a commercial every twenty minutes, but it was like every eight and a half minutes. I think it was ours crazy. Were, ours yeah. were probably every twenty. But yeah, they, they were like too solid, bad. solid, too bad. solid three minute commercials. I was just there were seven commercials or seven or eight. I counted them, but when I got to the first one and I noticed that it was over 120 seconds, I was like, no, yeah, over two minutes. Nope, long. nope, not doing that. Yeah, it was it was crazy. So after the first commercial break, it comes back to the movie and it's still the opening credits, and it's like, okay, you've gone too far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, too, yeah. <laughs> you've gone too far. I don't know what Amazon's playing at either. I think we need a petition or something. They're gonna give us free movies with ads with the Prime that I pay for monthly like are you so that was so that was from the imdb channel on amazon is how i watch it so i don't so i don't know if that's how you guys did the prime app on uh our roku Uh, so i did mark after seeing you know two hours and 12 minutes i don't remember it being that long it's uh 17 minutes until the quote-unquote terrorists make it to the parking garage um and i noted that up until that point the first 17 minutes are just like kind of typical family comedies kind of (laughs) set up (laughs) And then um, by 24 minutes in, they've already busted into the party and McLean's already run shoeless into the stairwell and is oh. in survival and hopefully eventual rescue mode. Brutal. Walking up those stairs in bare feet must have been I gross. So, so like, yeah, so that's by oh, 24 minutes in. So you still have almost two hours. Almost two hours of cat and mouse. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's great. <laughs> and it, it does it does go by. Not It's not a problem again through those two hours, mm-hmm. I don't think. No. As far as sequels go, so there's how many diehards? Do you know? Yeah, I do. Um, I have at least what three more. Is I know Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance, Live Free or Die Hard, and a Good Day to Die Hard, 2013, most recent one. That's the one with Justin Long, right? Justin Long. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, either that or the 07 one. I've seen parts of that, and they do a different version of the gun. You saw parts of that before you watched this movie. (laughs) Yep. It was on a cruise, I think. Yeah, he's the the 2007 one, Live Free or Die Hard. Yeah, I saw the end of that, actually. I think there's a girl in it as well as daughter, maybe? They're all like original plots, though, right? None of them are like remakes of this. No, it's all just the continuing adventures of older and older. Are they all Christmas themed or take place around Christmas? I I don't know actually off the top of my head. That's an interesting question. I haven't seen all of them. No, Um, I don't remember which ones I've seen. I know there's one that like out of context, he's about to die, and and the villain's like, "Oh, any last words?" And he says, "Yippee ki yay, motherfucker." (laughs) 
And you're like, well, no, I mean, in the first one, it was a joke that worked in the context of the conversation right. he was having. That's not just his catchphrase. Um, it is now. Yeah, John it Wayne is now. Pilgrims. <laughs> it is now. Um, They're all not well received, right? So yeah, that's the Justin Long ones. Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays his daughter. None of the movies are well received, Ben. The sequels, not so much. Um, like they, they're pretty successful. I, I don't uh, know what you're gonna do after. You know what I like? I can imagine all of the other movies are just like good action movies. Well, they become '90s action sequels, so it's the same thing again a lot of times. Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh man, he went in another building. Why do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, and then it blows it out. And then I think eventually it's not even like him in a building and you're like, yo, he's, he operates in buildings though. Just one building. I will say the only action movie series that gets away with that is John Wick has been making each sequel better and better somehow. I I don't know. I do love John Wick. We, we talked about John Wick a little bit in the last episode. It was, it was, it was part of the uh, quiz that we did at the end. That one's not out yet. So I have no way of knowing that I wasn't on it. That's correct. But, um, yep. It's fantastic. Good shit. So the the only other things I have written down was um, so the the chief of police. I thought this was a funny line. It was, was kind of just like, oh man, this guy's so dumb. When he first came in, the the body that hit the ground that yep. Al saw, he was like, it was probably just a businessman jumping off the <laughs> yeah. building, had a rough day in the market, just committing suicide. You I know these businessmen in their depression. I was like, man, LA is, is a hellscape, worst. huh? I was like, <laughs> one of the one of the worst takes of all time. It takes a lot to concern the police. Like, oh well, I mean, if it was, it was just somebody killing himself. I don't see how that's our problem. <laughs> Guy was the absolute worst. Yeah, he he was awful. Um, just no, I I think that that's all I have. Other than, I mean, it's it's definitely a Christmas movie. I think it's a Christmas movie that is more targeted to male adults for sure. I hope so. This is our second Christmas movie of the uh, season, so hopefully it's a Christmas movie. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely counts. I think if there's a, a single Merry Christmas involved, you can chalk it up as a Christmas yeah, movie. Okay. <laughs> there's like a couple of like just Christmas songs. There's like there's just a lot of yeah. points where I'm just like you've specifically went out of your way to like it's bring Christmas, Christmas back into it. Mm-hmm. I got one more question for you. Yeah, man. sure, go for it. Your Mount Rushmore of bald actors. Does Bruce Willis make the top? Four. It's tough. Do they have? Is it only for roles they were bald during? Because then you no. can't count uh, Die Hard. Yeah. Okay. Then, then probably yes. I like Bruce Willis a lot. I got Bruce Willis, Samuel L. Jackson, um, Patrick Stewart, mm. and I don't know who I put in my fourth slot. <laughs> uh, do they and do they have to be naturally bald or like they were bald for a role and? Like naturally, you can put Vin Diesel up there if that's what you're asking. That would make me sad. (laughs) There's a recent creepy video that I don't even know how to search to show anyone ever, and maybe it was just a fever dream I personally had that some people were sharing around Twitter. That is just like a bunch of dudes dressed like Vin Diesel, just saying "family" in unison over and over again, and it's like a 45 second long video. Yes. I think I've seen it recently too. <laughs> just guys in like sunglasses and like a black A-frame yeah, yeah, and like a huge cross necklace and they're just going family, family, family. The line between meme and fever dream gets thinner and thinner every uh-huh. day. <laughs> so real quick, I'm just going to search like best bald actors mm. and just see if there's anyone else that I want to pop up there. I'm I mean, saying- Sam, Sam Jackson, I guess you got to include. The other guy I know off the top of my head is the guy from Westworld. 
Uh, he's both a young actor and an old actor in the first season, but the old actor, Ed Harris. Yeah, Ed Harris. Uh, Ed Harris. Is Woody Harrelson. Woody Ed Harrison. Harris. Yeah, the number one on the um, <laughs> the baldagent dot com top twenty bald actors of all time lists Sean Connery at number one. Oh, I definitely. Yeah, I don't know if I'd call him. A bald I don't actor. consider him bald, but I guess How he is. How many movies have he even done as a bald actor? Yeah, he wasn't well known right. as a bald actor. I'm thinking actor. more like, and I guess, you know, yeah. by the end, I'm thinking more like like Jason Statham, who is like a bald, per- a bald person. You know? I feel like Sean Connery <laughs> was like known for his hair when he was, you right. know, acting. like yeah. Right, yeah. And I think, um, I think at this point, John Travolta has admitted that he's bald. Also, you can't count. Oh, him, he is, no. Can't, has, no, has he no, been no, bald in any movie? Oh. I, I wouldn't know necessarily. If bald. <laughs> is he bald in the Punisher movie? I don't remember. He's the villain in the Punisher. In oh, he's the, balding. I think he has like that very short stubble, yeah. like right before you go. Yeah. I was gonna say Terry Crews. I was, is yeah, I was just I thinking think Terry Crews. Like Crews. Oh, Tucci, Stanley Tucci. I don't even know uh, that is off the top of my head. You would. Uh, none of us have said The Rock. Isn't that Bruins player? The Rock. I mean, oh. literally, like, literally the most, uh, the, the most, yeah, the highest grossing actor of all time. I cannot even, I, I don't know how I didn't smell that coming. <laughs> I don't know, I hate it. Yeah, yeah, you don't did like you what he's cooking. On no. I did, yeah. yeah. You, you don't appreciate what he's cooking? I don't. It's bad. <laughs> it's not bad, it's just like, so generic. Um, He's, he's, he's really sanded down at this point, so it, it's, uh, he, he won't even be in Fast and Furious movies anymore, which is annoying because... I love the the dumb, weird competition that him and Vin, Vin Diesel have. They're so weird. You were telling me about that, right? Like they can't be on set together. Like. They can't. No one. So no one. They have supposedly. The rumor is they all the main actors in the Fast and Furious system devised a point system for how good they look in fights. Like if you knock someone out, it's five points or something like that. And no one can end up with more points than anyone else at the end of the movie. <laughs> It's so and like stupid. if you like headbutt someone, it's like three points, or like you get like a really good punch off, it's two. It's just shit like that. I guess like once you have like all the money, you have to pick petty things yeah. to care about. Like, Tyrese, I, a bald actor. Oh, okay. Um, uh, Doctor Phil, Michael Jordan. <laughs> oh, the uh, woman from um, Doctor Strange. The woman from Doctor Strange. <laughs> An inclusive pick. Oh, uh, yeah, that's Tilda Swinton's character. <laughs> yep. There you go, Tilda Swin. Very uncontroversial to have a white lady play that Asian character. Um, not Asian <laughs> yeah, in the movie, what was, to be clear. It's oh, not well, a Scarlett Johansson situation. Say, Scarlett was already playing in the movie, so you already had that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just if you do the image search for best bald actors, it is just a picture of John Travolta and his terrible toupee. <laughs> Very sad. Brian Cranston, really just nice. for Breaking Bad. There you go. Yeah. Mm. I'll put him above the rock. Yeah. <laughs> Just to throw out one more, uh, Danny DeVito. Um, My yeah. number one. <laughs> That's a good one. That's, That's a good one. Yeah. He should be on there. Even when he was not bald, he was still like his hairlines on the back of his head. I don't think so. his hair ever grew all the way to the top. <laughs> no, I really didn't. He's got one of them heads. They really need to make a live action Hercules with him before he's too old to do it. I, I need to see that. You can just de-age him. Just use. I mean, he's like a goat man anyway. But so you're going to CGI he's his face. He's a goat man. Like, <laughs> ah. All right. So I guess that's all our thoughts on Die Hard. Um, yeah, Willis is definitely on the on the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I didn't even realize the list was this small. 
there's really not many people you can put it's, on it's it. It's tough, yeah. I it's think, basically yeah. like Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. Everyone else I they're, feel like is just like they're a They're probably locks. Patrick Stewart's pretty legit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, sorry, sorry. That's a good one. That's a really good one. I like Stewart a lot. Yeah, he comes up a lot on these lists, it looks like. Stewart's fantastic. He's just like not in things now, so I forget about him. I got to go back and see which Connery roles he's balled in because he might be... He might be is there he too. in league? He might be yeah, in he league. Is. He might be Wait, in league. You're talking about the League of Are you shortening gentlemen? League yeah. of Extraordinary Gentlemen? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I don't like that. You movie. just you just call it League and expect people to know like 2004's 52nd highest grossing film or something. I think we established with the Kangaroo Jag trivia, I only watch poor movies and the fact that I'm a wealth league. to this uh, podcast. So. Oh yeah, we're going to it's going to have a league night just to check out League Extraordinary League night. You guys don't watch that every weekend. <laughs> yeah, League Tuesdays. <laughs> I don't mean I'm not trying to make you feel bad. It's just I've never heard anyone call it. Oh, uh, it's off by one year. I overbid it's 2003. That wasn't the worst movie ever. I Everyone saw a movie in theaters. Everyone I remember seeing it in theaters. so much. It wasn't that bad. It was terrible. I actually made a decent amount of money, so my it's bad. Fine. <laughs> my bad. I, everyone's constantly talking about League, so I don't know why I underrated oh, it so yeah, much. yeah. I'm like, I don't play League of Legends. Oh, no. I mean, this movie. Everyone's constantly like, oh, did you check out League? I Wait. just caught I just caught some new, uh, the, the fucking deleted scenes. Have you checked out them? <laughs> Sean Connery. No, I'm, I'm I'm making fun of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh well, that's just extraordinary. Mm. <laughs> anyway, trying to end the podcast. I'm gonna tell him you said that. Man, I'm, I'm sad I'm, that we don't get a game. Just like I reached I out to Hopkins. I didn't come up with one. What game do you want to play? I was promised a game. I don't, but not by me. <laughs> I don't no, by Greg. Greg promised me a game. <laughs> I think there are usually uh, games on Greg's episodes, but. Mm. I don't know. It's been about 50-50 for me. Oh, really? Yeah, I think the podcast is generally about 50-50. I don't know. I'm trying to keep them. You, just sell me a game you know, next time. You owe me a game next time. I'll owe you. I'll, we'll do like one really long one that everyone's upset Perfect. halfway through Hell that it's still yeah. going on about. That's yeah, how they mostly go. Are there, are there, is there like a really controversial movie? What's a controversial movie we've been doing? <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. I don't know if that's controversial. It just has like an eight on Rotten Tomatoes out of 100. <laughs> it's going to be controversial because <laughs> so controversial. Corey fucking loves it. I'm pretty sure it's not controversial if everyone agrees. <laughs> Corey a, loves the it. majority. That's also a movie I saw in theaters as a kid. I, don't, I just don't know if that exactly fits the, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. I can't believe you. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if it, I just want to end the podcast. <laughs> no, I got I got stuff. You know how it goes. Uh, thank you guys so much for being on Late to the Movies. You can follow us on Late to Number Two the Movies. That's on Instagram. Uh, late to the Movies underscore podcast. You can check out the T Public Score Store. Just uh, search Late to the Movies and I don't know buy like 70, 80 T shirts. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for being on, Pat, Chrissy. Robbie, thanks guys. Thanks. thanks. Bye. Bye then. Bye.